0: Thank you for listening to City Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit us at com. That's B-O-R-O, citychurch.com. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, would you please email us to let us know? You can email us at sermons at com. Thank you for listening. Well, you've heard this before every 365 or... if it's a leap, of course, maybe it's more like every 300. Christmas seems to come earlier every year. R.I.P. Thanksgiving, we all shed a tear for you. But back to what I was saying. I'm talking about this, what I'm doing right now. This Christmas message, this sermon, this trying to keep your kids quiet and hold them when they squirm and I'm doing it again. Every year, the same old ordinary good news Great joy, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, Mary's song and Jesus' birth. Goodwill to men, that is, if you're reading the King James. But after a while, all the names seem the same. Gabriel, Joseph, Mary, even Jesus. It all seems so ordinary. Yeah, I'm watching my time. I know you got somewhere to be. You got good gifts to give, presents to package and put under the tree. Don't worry, this will be painless. Just like we all want our Christmases, painless. Funny though, Christmas didn't start as painless. After all, it's about a baby being born. Remember the curse? To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Ever seen a birth? It's violent. But every time we explain Emmanuel's interests, we say the night was silent. Weeping and gnashing of teeth describes hell or just having a kid. But Christmas, it's not about that. Or is it? Strange what stuff you find when you actually read past the place where Linus stopped with Charlie Brown, past the place where angels said, peace from heavens to shepherds on the ground. Good news, great joy, glory to God, peace on earth. None of that is possible without the very things we want to drain out of the holy days, like pain and ordinary. Let me let you in on what Simeon told Mary. Let me quote you Luke 2, but not from the manger. This is like eight days later, and Mary and Joseph and Jesus meet this stranger. He goes by Simeon. He lives in the temple, full of the Spirit. His life is, well, simple. He just sits and waits. See, he got a promise from God That he wouldn't die until he laid eyes on the Messiah. And so here it is in Luke's words. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And there it is again. Peace, glory, salvation. Now bring in the pain, gory indignation. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be Revealed. (laughs) Hold up, wait, whoa. Simeon blessed them by telling Mary a sword will pierce her soul. Well, I guess it does kind of feel like a sword in your side to watch your son grow up to die. And Simeon thinks that revealing our hearts will bring peace. That sounds awful. The thoughts of my heart are rarely thoughtful. But I guess the first step to healing is seeing them there. Because I spend so much time pretending they're not and acting like I got this. But nothing is healed that isn't exposed. And we all got broken hearts. That's interesting. Pain before blessing, hurt before healing, cross before crown, revealing my heart is the key to the start of this peace, this salvation, this good news that God is going to bring peace, not like the end of wars, well, not yet, but still peace. Like when you've been fighting to hide something and then it's exposed and everyone knows. But then there's forgiveness and love. And suddenly you aren't hiding, you know, those thoughts in your heart. They were ugly, but now they're out. And and you can breathe. You can sleep. You can rest in peace. Because the God that exposed them isn't standing there laughing. He's more like a surgeon, healing now, patching you up. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like surgery. The sword is a scalpel opening you up. But some of us are afraid to get cut. Which I suppose saves us some heartache when we're dealing with jerks, but also keeps the good doctor from doing his work. I guess in the end what Simeon said, that every nation would have revelation of the salvation of men and glory of God, that it happened in Jesus. And though it might seem odd, the whole thing was quite ordinary. Not a spectacular show. Though the night wasn't silent, it was, well, kind of like any other night in Bethlehem. Another mother gave birth to a child. Through screaming in agony, pushing and sweating, came the moment we sing about tender and mild. Another teen mother holding a kid. Just a baby with a baby. Aha, you say. What about the miracles? You know all the signs. The stuff Jesus did when he wowed the crowd, that wasn't normal, that wasn't boring, that was special, unique, sensational. Okay, but for 91% of his life, 91% of this rock star Jesus' life was too ordinary for anyone to write down. 91% of his life didn't make any sort of notable historical impact. And we're telling our kids they need to hurry up and change the world. But the world doesn't change through hashtags. It changes through pain. It changes through ordinary pain. It changes through agony, pushing and sweating. It changes through something so ordinary that it happens 370,000 times a day. Childbirth. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. There it is again. Childbirth. Hope and pain. Joy and patience. Suffering and glory. Salvation is sinners called saints and sons. Seeing is not believing, but believing is seen, and believing is painful. Waiting is groaning, like being pregnant. Advent. You see, it's not, the 370,000 births a day that will save us, though every single one of those is a miracle, a tiny hope bursting out of ordinary pain. No, there is only one birth that began an adoption for the whole world, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. See, I told you. Well, I guess Isaiah informed us a baby born becomes a forever father and a prince of peace. The one and only God becomes weak enough to be a child, yet still strong enough to shoulder the entire government. Who'd you vote for? And he adopts all of us ragamuffin rascals roaming the sinful streets of self-reliance. We didn't have room in the inn, but he dislodges the door locks of heaven to let us in and calls us underdeveloped urchins, sons and daughters. He slaughters fattened calves, puts rings on fingers, robes on shoulders and throws a party. But that's later. First, there's a life to live. Ordinary carpenter in a backwater ghetto, making chairs and tables, feeding donkeys. Then baptism. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Speaking of ordinary, how about when your cousin baptizes you and calls you a sheep? Then out to the desert for 5.7 weeks. Tempted and tried, hungry and thirsty. He was in the wilderness with the wild things that turned on the one word that created them. And here comes that snake again. The accuser, the adversary, the embodiment of evil ever since the garden encounter with Adam and Eve. Back at it again, questioning the word of God, this time in the flesh. Hungry? Do a miracle. The original wonder bread. Unsure? Dive off the temple. Angels will catch you. It'll be spectacular. King, right? Take a knee. But not during the anthem. Just right here with me. And I'll establish your kingdom sensationally. Whatever you do about becoming this king, hissed the snake to the man, make sure it's not painful or ordinary. Aim at crowns, not crosses. Gather crowds in stadiums, friends on Facebook, followers on Twitter, fame, fortune. That's what kings are made of. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. There's those angels again. At his birth, a private concert for some painfully ordinary shepherds. At his temptation, a private meal for a painfully ordinary carpenter. Then out of the wilderness and into the crowds, he would heal people and tell them to be quiet about it. He raised folk from the dead and didn't allow anybody to film it on their smartphones. Of course, you know what we'd all do. A selfie and a humble brag with each little miracle. But Jesus just told him, keep it quiet, silent night. night. His whole ministry was like this. Three years quietly given to 12 men and a handful of women. 12 painfully ordinary men. One of them sold him out. The other 11 left him for dead. A painfully ordinary death. Executed by the government for threatening power with the truth. Murdered by religion for living the truth. While Pilate stood by and asked him, What is truth? Then Pilate told the truth about the Son of God who called himself the truth. He said, I find no guilt in him. Man can say that about God and tell the truth, but God cannot say that about man because God always tells the truth. Yet in that phrase, I find no guilt in him, comes the way to peace through pain. The pain of the extraordinary becoming ordinary, the supernatural becoming natural, his truth becoming our lies, the righteousness of God becoming the unrighteousness of man, the failing grade for the one who passed the test. I'll let Isaiah finish the rest. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Do you hear the ordinary? No beauty to be desired. Jesus wasn't making magazine covers. Do you hear the pain? Man of sorrows. He knew grief like a best friend. It gets worse. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, he opened not his mouth. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Sounds bleak, right? Sounds painful, right? Here comes the resurrection. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. If Jesus was the second Adam, Mary is the Christmas Eve. Mary was at the manger to see him born. Mary was at the cross to watch him die. A sword pierced her soul while a spear pierced his side. But hold on. Mary was there next to the manger, screaming in agony, pushing and sweating, then treasuring, pondering, holding her baby. And Mary was there next to the cross, screaming in agony, praying and sweating. And treasuring, pondering, and holding her baby. And Mary was there next to the tomb, shouting with joy, the fruit of her womb was alive, alive, is alive and is reigning on high and promises joy to everyone who believes, who take up a cross, who will come follow me. Yes, it's painful to die to yourself over and over. Yes, there's nothing glamorous about putting others first. Yes, you'll lose your life. But losing for his sake is getting everything back. So here's my final Christmas ruminations. Maybe we need to talk more about how to take swords in our sides than figuring out whose side to take. Maybe the joy we're looking for doesn't come from hiding our weakness. It doesn't come from amassing power or stacking cash or adding more hours to our lifespan. Maybe the joy we want comes through pain. Maybe life comes through dying. Maybe the spectacular only happens when we let God work through the ordinary. Like a manger and a cross. Like reading your Bible for the four millionth time or for the first. Like a mumbled prayer at the back of a hearse. Like going to church every Sunday, even if it's not advertised on Facebook, it's super exciting. You don't want to miss this. I'm so excited, I just want to burst. After all, it's pretty extraordinary that through all the pain of the last 200 centuries, God's people still gather and sing the most ordinary hymns. Like joy to the world, the Lord has come. Nobody still gathers and says, Hail, Caesar. So yeah, every time we do this, every year when I preach this Christmas sermon, this ordinary Christmas sermon, I guess it is sort of a miracle that for one more year before Jesus comes back, we got the privilege of bearing crosses together, of weeping together, of laughing together, of loving together, of reconciling together, of worshiping together, so that one day after the painful and ordinary has passed away, we can do the laughing and loving and worshiping without the weeping together. Forever. So, what's the catch? How do you get in? Childbirth. Jesus answered him Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world or you, but in order that the world might be saved through him, including you. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never Enter the kingdom of heaven. The thing about childbirth is though, yes, it's painful. Yes, there is agony and pushing and sweating. Being born again, turning and becoming like a child, just like every birth, is a miracle. A work not of ourselves, but of God. And here's the hope. The good news, the peace, the joy being reconciled to God isn't a matter of being good enough. It's simply a matter of confessing you aren't enough. And that Jesus is. In the manger, on the cross, out of the grave, nothing is lost. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the spectacular wonders of his love let's pray Heavenly Father, we either we we come confessing one of two things this morning. There is no gray. To not confess is to confess something. We either today come confessing that we are enough, and we come in here and sure, there's a Christmas tradition that's to be had, but it really doesn't mean anything, and. Basically, I'm the master of my own life, and I just need to make the right decisions, make the right moves. And the secret to life is just getting on top and staying on top and getting the power. The secret to life is being good and being nice to others. The secret to life is having enough money to take care of myself and my family when I'm in emergencies. Or the secret to life is fame and fortune. Or the secret to life is just enjoying life. Or whatever we say the secret of life is, it is anything but confessing Jesus is Lord. Where we come in today like Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes saying, Vanity of vanities, it's all vanity. Nothing's new under the sun. Every toil to be enough for yourself. Like a power strip plugged into itself is not enough. There's no power there. We come in today either confessing that we have what it takes or we come in today desperate confessing we don't have what it takes to save ourselves, to satisfy ourselves. And that in whatever spot we're in, whatever level of desperation that we find ourselves in, that there is only one way to life. There is only one truth, and that is Jesus Christ. And knowing that he took our rebellion against you, our selfishness, our pride, our seeking our own way on the cross. He took it all on himself so that we could be united with him in his resurrection. And so that resurrection life could flow out of us as we live and love others, not seeking our own way, but saying like Mary did. Yes, Lord, let it it be done to me as you have said. Father, right now, all across the room, I pray that there are tender hearts who will not only make some decision in a moment, but they will begin the painful, ordinary journey of walking with you, of having a conversation with a loved one to reconcile, of picking up the Bible and beginning to read it for what it is, of mumbling small prayers that say, Okay, God, I believe this, now what? And finding a church that they can love and trust, walking in, so many of us walk in and we say, I want to find a church that doesn't judge me and in that we're judging the church. So I pray that the people will have the freedom to walk into a church knowing it's a bunch of hypocrites and smiling about it because they're in good company. And knowing that Your faithfulness to us is not dependent on our faithfulness to you. Thank God. Pray that many will begin that journey. Many will jump back into that journey. Many will turn and repent and say, Jesus is worth following. Father, we celebrate you this Christmas because we have no hope without you. May you be lifted up and exalted in our celebration and through our pain. In Jesus' name, amen.